I was hanging out in my apartment and thinking about the previous shows, you know, the previous Alex Cash shows, and I've come to the realization that in trying to get to 300 episodes, I've made a bit of a boo-boo. Uh, I have used my appearance on another show as an episode of an Alex cast, uh, which is a major error. I mean, it wasn't even an episode of my show. It was an episode of the Hyreside Chats. And I think I've done it a couple times before that. So this was just a really big fuck up. And I'm sorry about that. So what I'm going to do here is record a short little solo episode. It'll just be me, a microphone. I got a couple of things to talk about. You know, I don't know, maybe 15 minutes, half hour, who knows. We'll just do a quick show. Then it'll be like, boom, finally get to episode 300. You know, finally none of this 300A, B, C, whatever crap it'll be. Alex Cass got 300 episodes, and finally we can just, you know, shut the doors on the whole thing and call it a day, you know? Because I think that's really what we're all been hoping for. Now that that's behind us, let me tell you this. I have consistently forgotten to tell uh, the listeners of my other podcast about this one because I'm embarrassed of you guys as an audience. <laughs> uh, I can, however, do this now, but in reverse. I host another podcast. During the interim in which uh, the AlexCast was on, hi- on hiatus, I was doing a show called John and Alex Hate Stuff. Alex spelled two X's as per usual. John and Alex Hate Stuff happens every two weeks, and we discuss a movie. Each week, a new movie. By each week, I mean each episode. Last time we did uh, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, for it is Halloween times. We've done The Fifth Element, Batman Begins, a bunch of stuff. We've done 35 of them. It's, it's been going a while. It's over a year. So, good for us, I suppose. Good for you guys, more likely, because you get to listen to it. So, johnandalexhatestuff.com, or go, or, you know, it's on Stitcher, it's on... Uh, Google Podcasts, it's on our website, it's on everywhere. Uh, I don't know if we're on Spotify, probably not, uh, because Spotify is confusing to get on, but, you know, why you listen to it on Spotify? I don't think Alex Cass is on Spotify, so you won't even hear, you won't be hearing this if I, if you're a Spotify listener, because that's, that's the way math works. Yeah. So John and Alex hate stuff, listen to it. This is sort of an ad for my other show, but I guess it's not. It's more of a an announcement that you guys can hear me other places. Because I, there's a whole other show. And frankly, a lot of you guys didn't follow me over there. I think a lot of you are Russian robots. And not in a Twitter way. I mean, literally, androids. Fully autonomous, functional 
possibly sentient androids that were created during the old Soviet Republic days. And you're going to eventually kill me. I think the peyote is finally kicking in. John and Alex hate stuff. Yeah, so now I've told you guys about it. I probably have already. I, I have no memory for this show or the other show, frankly, so you guys shouldn't feel bad. Uh, I often forget what I say on that show and repeat myself. But that show, we edit. So when I go, oh shit, I've already said this before. Generally, we edit it. Unless I'm editing, and then usually I'm pretty lazy. Here's the other thing I want to tell you about, um, which I should have had ready. I was on My Alchemical Bromance with uh, our friend Eric, who has been on the show a bunch of times. Uh, I'm going to say he's been a three-time guest. And uh, we discussed... Uh, let's see, what did we talk about? Well, we, we talked about microdosing, which is the reason I'm bringing this up. Uh, we talked about depression, we talked about adventure time, and we discussed the beers we were drinking, because that show gets recorded in various bars or outside fun places. Uh, I'm trying to find what episode I did. Uh, I should have prepped that. There we go. Uh, episode 35 of My Alchemical Romance. Uh, his his uh, write-up consists of this. Uh, Alex Bolin joins Eric at Ruse Brewery for a discussion about microdosing, hallucinogens to treat depression, podcasting in Portland, books, and chaos magic. I'm the host of the AlexCast, the only Alex-themed podcast in the universe. I'm also the author of Periphery and several collections of short stories. That's sort of true. Uh, the location. This episode was recorded in two parts at Ruse Brewery, which was busy which was busy, not busery, because that's not a word. And there's some crowd noise, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we drank some beers, and he lists them, and he makes a quote on here, BMO is the greatest character ever made, which is something I said, and something you all should know, because you know, uh, BMO is wonderful. Uh, you should listen to that. It's good. You can find it on myalchemicalbromance.com, also on iTunes, also on Google Podcasts, also on all the other places you can find podcasts. I mean, look, it's a fucking podcast. Everybody can find it. Let's talk about the microdosing aspect. Uh, when I was on Eric's show, I was uh, beginning my, my search for uh magic mushrooms to do pod to do uh magic oh, jesus christ alex i'm gonna start to sentence over again because i was trying to reopen the page i closed like an idiot while i was on eric's show uh this was july 25th we were i was talking about how i was having trouble sourcing magic mushrooms for microdosing i know i've talked about microdosing in the show before um I don't know if I've ever done it in a A to B narrative fashion. Probably have. I repeat myself a lot, but this is going to happen again. So if you don't like it, skip it. Who gives a shit? I'm not getting paid for this stuff. It doesn't matter how many you listen. I, shortly after that episode, uh, got my hands on some medicine, some some microdosable uh, psilocybin. I guess I should probably take one step back. Uh, there's been a bunch of pretty well-received studies and a absolute metric buttload of anecdotal evidence to say that small doses of 
psilocybin helps with depression, helps with major depression, um, which is something that I am uh, a sufferer of. I'm diagnosed as a as somebody with major depressive disorder. I did microdosing a few years ago, and this consists of for mushrooms, you grind up the mushroom into a powder and take a very small amount. So, for instance, uh, I took 0.2 grams uh, every third day. That's the uh, Feynman protocol, I believe it's called. So, let's say you take your 0.2 grams on a Monday. Uh, then you, you're off a day, you're off a day. So that's Tuesday, Wednesday. And then you take another, uh, two grams, uh, 0.2 grams, not two grams. Boy, that would be, that's an entire, that's a macro. That's a motherfucking macro dose right there. And yeah, over the course of a, like a, about a month or so, you start to feel a lot better. Uh, really even the day of you take it, you can some, sometimes feel a bit of relief, but it's not, it's relief in a after work beer way, not in an actual holistic full body way so that's that's the concept of microdosing a lot of people do it with lsd another psychedelic lsd works in a very similar fashion except it's a little bit more focused towards concentration issues also very effective at depression treatment just not as effective as as the magic mushrooms as psilocybin but they they don't work on the same um, part of the brain, which I don't really understand why the microdosing is effective both ways. Maybe it's some kind of placebo or doesn't really matter. The point is there's a bunch of good evidence towards it working. There's also good evidence towards major uh, psychedelic experiences having really long-term beneficial effects, but uh, those are done with, you have to have, you know, set and setting. You need uh, somebody there that you you can trust. It has to be a place that you trust. Um, you have to make sure you're safe because you don't want to have a bad trip because I could fuck your brain up real bad. Moving on. That is what uh, microdosing is. Once every three days, you take a small amount of psychedelic mushrooms to help with depression. So shortly after the appearance of my alchemical bromance, I got my hands on some powdered mushroom and I started to take it again. I'm recording this uh, October third so i probably started uh early august let's say august 10th for no good reason so i'm almost two months in and the same as last time about a month in i started to feel relief not relief i started to not feel depression which if you're if you're not if you're someone that has never suffered depression uh, it's this is a difficult thing to describe. So I talk about this in Eric's episode, but a great description I heard about depression is depression is the feeling of all you really want to do is go home and go to bed, but you have no idea where your home is. You know, there is no home. There's, you know, not, not saying homeless, but literally you get the idea. Metaphorically, there's no, there's no place to actually go, you know, so you feel kind of lost or whatever. The other way to describe it is, you know, it's the feeling of um, not necessarily depression, but relieving yourself from depression is like if you've walked around with a really heavy backpack and take it off and if, and you feel like your your legs are made of coiled spring, you could jump a million feet in the air and, you know, you've, it's so, you're so light and it, everything's easy. 
when the microdosing kicks in, that's what it feels like. It feels like the weight has been lifted. So it's not, you're not high. You're not a different person. I'd hesitate to use the term cured because all the underlying things that happen with depression, they're still there. But what you are is a person with the physical capabilities of dealing with the things that made you depressed in the first place or the, the triggers for depression to use that word, even though trigger is a trigger word for a lot of sensitive people, men's rights activists, etc. So two months in, you find yourself or I find myself, let's talk about just me. Cause I don't want to tell everybody else how to feel these little weird things. Like one, Everything's less daunting. Uh, there's pleasure in the world where there wasn't before. And not again, it's not like you're high. It's not, you know, I'm still a mope. Uh, I still have a pretty shit life. You know, it's not like I took mushrooms and went, oh, great, living in my crappy basement apartment with my shitty job and being perennially without a girlfriend and, you know, being quite alone and having ostracized most of my friendship group because of depression. It's not like you immediately feel better and go, Oh, look, magical friends sprung up from the ground along like, like, like magical fungus. There wasn't a fairy circle of like-minded individuals that showed up in my backyard because I took mushrooms and feel, felt better. However, I did feel the need to hang out with people. Um, I hung out with my friend the other night and we were getting drunk and actually enjoyed getting drunk. Uh, didn't get that drunk but I enjoyed feeling a little tipsy. So much to the point, we hugged out on the way out, which we were always handshake people. And it was totally my idea to hug. Because apparently, uh, in my non-depressed state, I uh, get a little uh, huggy. Which I'm kind of alright with. Because I seem to remember when I was young, before full-fledged depression kicked in, that I was a bit of a um, physically emotive person. Is that a say it i don't know you know what i'm saying i would hug people or like you know i'd be all right with that sort of thing so yeah two months in it's weird uh there's a lot of things that aren't right and there's you know you wouldn't expect them to be right when you, when people talk about this or when i talk to them about this with people i should say there's a lot of response of uh incredulity that they don't believe it can happen that they're questioning it because they don't understand it and then rightfully so because it does sound like a panacea it is a cure-all it's a cure-all in the depression um but depression isn't a one thing again it's 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 difficult to climb a tree with that heavy backpack on. You take the backpack on, off, you still have to climb the tree. You know, you don't wake up on top of it. Uh, if you're, like, I've, over the years of being heavily depressed, trained myself to kind of shy away from friendship groups and, you know, that sort of thing. Not show up to parties and uh, not, you know, the kind of healthy stuff that humans do. Now that I'm feeling a little bit better, it's not like I'm immediately doing it and immediately jump in, you know, because you're still, you're still you, you know, you're not high on drugs, you know, you're not doing things you normally wouldn't do. You are a person with, with a disease not showing its ugly face. It is, it is symptom-free living. 
but that doesn't mean that the you know you know if you if you lost your leg to gangrene and you know whatever the illness that caused gangrene goes away your leg doesn't grow back so i'm just kind of i'm trying to describe it in a way that makes sense to people because anytime i talk to people about this it sounds too good to be true like all of a sudden you're a happy-go-lucky amazing person and that's not it what it is is a relief is you know it's it's not it's not like uh, okay put it this way it's not like if when your cold goes away you know, people don't go, oh, well, look at Mr. Breathing Through Two Nostrils. I don't buy it. I've always known you to breathe through one nostril. Because, you know, I had a cold the whole time. But, you know, hey, look, I'm breathing, breathing out of two nostrils. You know, just, just Why can't you just be happy about that? <laughs> but I, I I had a birthday uh, on Saturday, uh, which I, I don't like birthdays so much. Uh, historically, uh, most of the time because I'm you know, I don't like aging and I'm alone and et cetera, et cetera. You know, again, even with depression symptoms, way, it's not like I got to, you know, skipping through the tulips life. Uh, but I did manage to like end up hanging out with a, a friend and they had an all right night, but I went out and that's the kind of the key where every other year I would not, or I'd go out by myself and just read a book somewhere. And that's a, and that may say sound small to some people, but like when you're when you're ostracized, when your disease has like kind of left you as a as a kind of self-ascribed leper, you know, as a as someone incapable of something so simple as a you know a night out with friends, it's a pretty big deal when you actually reach out and try to hang out with someone. So, yeah, microdosing, it's there, it's happening. Uh, it's interesting. I don't really know what else to say. I'm trying to think of the things that people have asked me about it. And yeah, that's all I can really kind of bring up is that it it works. Makes uh makes the clouds go away a bit. And not in a you know, anytime I've taken antidepressants, the the pharmaceutical kind, I always felt a bit of uh, falseness to it and it this is more difficult to, to describe I don't want to say it makes you feel numb because a lot of people use that terminology there is a bit of dumbness to it sometimes but there's a bit of like a illusory feeling there's a disreality I, I don't know how to describe it but it it doesn't feel it feels like something is enacting upon you to make to make that happen. While with with the microdosing, it feels like this is you. You know, all it is is this feels like me. While having this conversation on uh, an SSRI or any other kind of antidepressive drug, it still feels like me, but it feels like me and an altered me. A, a uh, yeah, me under the influence of something, and not in a bad way, because I I I'm I'm a big fan of SSRIs and SSNRIs and all the other great uh, antidepressants out there. Because man, they've helped me before. I know some people that have. I mean, they've saved their lives. So I'm I'm a big fan of pharmaceutical uh, antidepressants, giant fan, because they can help you a lot. I never would have gotten around to trying to find 
microdosing if it wasn't for those. I'd be curled up in a ball still, just weeping every four seconds. But very good, you know, just because I'm a weirdo, hippie, freaky, occult type that likes taking mushrooms for his brain doesn't mean I don't respect science because, man, they science the shit out of that stuff. It's effective, it's good, and it saves lives. So if anybody starts yelling at it, and also vaccinate your kids. Now I'm on a pro-science thing. Look, I have, I have eight decks of tower cards behind me, multiple crystals. I've got healing sage. I've got a goddamn Tibetan singing bowl within arm's reach of me. Vaccinate your kids. You're being stupid. That's, that's, that's how the world gets sick again. That's how the world dies. And the reason, the only reason you think vaccines are bad for kids is because you weren't around back when fucking polio was. The reason you weren't around, polio's not around now, because fucking vaccine works. Yeah, it, it's fine. Just do it. Vaccinate your fucking kids. And and put live uh, wasp larvae up your vagina, because that would be, is that the story? <laughs> I read the story about, uh, it's probably fake, but how women are treating, I don't know, vaginosis or something with uh, putting wasp larva or wasp nests in their in their vaginas which i mean i suppose if they're hermetically sealed the wasp nest would be kind of vibrate so that probably wouldn't be like the worst thing in the world but as far as like a health thing yeah like we might as well just go ahead and say that's a bad idea don't don't put any kind of waspy things in your in, in, in your vag and that's microdosing. <laughs> um, if you're listening to this, you're curious, uh, get in touch with me. I'm the Alex cast on Twitter, um, uh, which no one talks to me on there anymore. So you can email me alexcast at gmail.com. Um, Alex is always spelled with two X's. If you need to ask questions or anything like that, I'm happy to answer it. Um, I, if there was anything I would proselytize for, uh, I'm not going to go so far as to pronounce that word correctly. Proselytize for it would be microdosing i'm very few things in the world i've ever believed in as much as this This is a fantastic thing and i hope that i could help people with it in some way like this is yeah it's fucking it is this is a bananas wonderful thing that i've i've gone through so i would love to help other people so you know get in touch if you need if you have questions if you want to know more um yeah, I think that's all the microdosing stuff. All right, so here's some other things that's been happening. Uh, I am now a dual citizen. What? I hear you asking on the other side of this microphone. What? You say in shock, aghast, eyes open comically. Yeah. I'm no longer just an American citizen. I'm no longer just a citizen of the the terrestrial earth. My friends, I'm officially a citizen of Asgardia, the Space Kingdom. I'll give you a second to recover. So, I've heard about Asgardia for a while, and in the tradition of me doing weird things on the internet, I decided to sign up and apply for citizenship. Here are things I've done on the internet before I start to Asgardia. I am an ordained reverend. I'm ordained a wizard. I'm ordained a priest. Well, I guess that counts as reverend, but I'm ordained a juridic priest. I'm, I'm ordained a priest in the Church of Satan, which was complete bullshit. And, and like, not the actual Church of Satan. It was just like people online saying they can deem people with Church of Satan. Um, I am a pope, according to the Discordians and all those other weirdos. 
And I think... Oh, at one point, I owned a piece of the moon. And I got a star named after me. And all those, I think I've spent about 12 bucks. My next in this list is I've applied for citizenship to Asgardia, the space kingdom. Let me, uh, I'm going to read you a little bit about Asgardia from their website, asgardia.space. This is the philosophy at selecting the name. Well, we understand Asgard, so let's just skip that. Skip that. Oh boy, they're, uh... Their website does not have a really good overview. Ah, eh, fuck it, I'll read the whole thing. I got time. In ancient Norse mythology, Asgard was a city in the skies, the country of the gods. It is the realization of man's eternal dream to leave his cradle on earth and expand into the universe. Asgardia is a fully-fledged and independent nation and a future member of the United Nations, with all of the attributes this status entails, a government and embassies, a flag, a national anthem and insignia, and so on. The essence of Asgardia is peace in space and the prevention of Earth's conflicts being transferred into space. Asgardia is, is also unique from a philosophical aspect. To serve entire humanity and each and everyone, regardless of his or her personal welfare and the prosperity of the country where they happen to be born. Asgardia's philosophical envelope is to digitalize the newosphere, creating a mirror of humanity in space, but without earthly division into states, religions, and nations. In Asgardia, we are all just earthlings! There's an exclamation point at the end, so I tried to exclaim it a little bit. Asgardia's legal aspects. Today, many of the problems regarding to space law are unresolved and may never be resolved in the complex and contradictory dark woods of modern international law. Geopolitical squabbles have great influence and are often rooted in the old military history and unresolved conflicts of countries on Earth. It is time to create a judicial reality in space. It is crucial importance that space law does not become the law of the jungle. Today, only 20 countries on the Earth have about 200 of a space presence and have, for example, mines in space and space to lay claim exclusivity and monopoly. <gasps> New space has to equally protect the interests of every human being on Earth. It means protecting individuals and countries, particularly developing nations, from space threats, as well as delivering the benefits of using space for creating new goods and services and financial resources. The question of a guardian citizenship is also essential. After it's already is recognized as a member of the UN, the question of reasons for granting citizenship will inevitably arrive. One reason for the first guardian with those who work in the fields of space research and exploration and space technology, as well as investors in these fields, including small investors. These are the three most important scientific and technological goals of Asgardia. Of course, special preference will be given to the first 3,000 people who apply or prior to launch of the first satellite. All the typical citizenship procedures used on Earth will be followed. This does not mean that Asgardian citizenship will not be available to all people on Earth, regardless of their Earth jurisdiction. A core principle of that is that Asgardia does not interfere with relations between these states on Earth and vice versa. Asgardia's legal envelope includes the creation of new legal platform or the exploration of near Earth and near space, universal space law that has responded to the third place, international space law, geopolitics. Whew. Okay, so that was two. Um, all that said was they're trying to, like, make a space thing. And I, I didn't actually read all this. I guess I'm not actually a citizen of Asgardia yet. I guess I just applied for citizenship. Um, here's the stuff that might be interesting. The scientific and technological component of the project can be explained in just three words. Peace, access, and protection. They didn't use the Oxford comma, so I may have to revoke my citizenship. Because they have it, peace, comma, access, and protection. Which it should be peace, comma, access, comma, and protection, because I believe in the Oxford comma, and I believe that may cause a civil war on Asgardia, if I have anything to say about it. 
These are the three most important scientific and technological goals of Asgardia. First, to ensure the peaceful use of space. The second is to protect the planet Earth from space threats. There are seven threats in our classification system. Sunstorms and flares, known as coronal mass ejections. Changes in Earth's magnetosphere that destroy the effective protection layer of our planet. Potentially dangerous asteroids and comets. Man-made orbital debris. Changes in the climate stemming from technological factors and sun radiation. Cosmic radiation from nuclear reactors in nova, supernova, and pulsars. And the danger of Earth infection by microorganisms from meteors and other small celestial bodies. The third goal is to create a demilitarized and free scientific base of knowledge in space. This will provide free access to all, especially those from developing countries who do not have space access now. And such access should be free and direct. Asgardia's technological structure is comprised of three segments. One or several core satellites, clusters of network-centric small satellites, and protective space platform. Oh boy, this just keeps going. Oh no, it's almost done. The widest participation of this open project is one of our goals. Participation from all interests in scientists and companies without limiting them by our own vision of the technological side of things at the moment. In the scientific and technological envelope of Asgardia is a space arena for the scientific creativity of its citizens and companies in developing a broad range of future space technologies, products, and services for humanity on Earth and humanity in space. Therefore, Asgardia is a sort of matrioska Oh boy, that's a hard word to say. A <clears throat> Let me restart. Therefore, Asgardia is a sort of Russian nesting doll made of philosophy, law, and technology. No Oxford comma. Whatever else is hidden inside is something we will discover in the near future. We're not selling pieces of land on the moon or water in, our, in, our, in, or water in Antarctica. We're actually not selling anything at all at the moment. Only after we have proven this idea with a confirmed launch of an equipped satellite may we begin talking about Asgardia's budgets. Right now, work on the project is funded entirely from our personal private funds. It is a clear-cut decision. We have now declared our concept and philosophy publicly and would like as many people as possible on the planet to find out about it. And of course, we're going to make use of crowdfunding and sourcing and private donations. And we will welcome cooperation with new partners and investors. Asgardia's technical, legal, and philosophical team is in the process of being set up. Welcome to Asgardia. Yeah, so um, citizenship, I, I applied for citizenship. And I got an email back saying thanks for applying. So I think I might be a citizen. I didn't... I gotta, I gotta tell you the truth. I didn't really... Uh, I didn't really uh, look into this too much other than I like the idea of a space nation. So let's just assume that I'm an Asgardian right now. And assume I have Thor's abs in your mind. Because why not? Oh, hey man, speaking of Thor's abs, this episode's pretty much done. So let me say some other stuff before I go. Public thank you to previous guest, Steph Quick. She posted links to um, my various podcasts, and more importantly, she posted a link to Periphery on a podcast group she belongs to, because she thought that that podcast group would enjoy the book. That is exactly the kind of behavior I would love for everybody listening. Uh, I, I just can't be thankful enough, because uh, no one buys books. I have a bunch of short stories. Those would be cool if you bought Alex Bolin on on Amazon, buy them. But if you've read them and like them, share it. It's a simple thing. 
so few people share books on Amazon, on Facebook and things like that. People do tend to at least look at it for a second because they go, why the fuck is this person sharing a book? No one reads books anymore. I wonder what Kim Kardashian is doing right now. That's my, that's my, uh, tear down of modern culture right there. Look how hip I am. I knew who Kim Kardashian is. I'm, I've got my pulse on, on, on the wrist of society. <laughs> So thanks, Devquick, for sharing that uh, that link to Periphery because that's fucking rad. Also, before I go, nothing. That's that's it. I just want to thank thank her. I'll be back in two weeks. Listen to John and Alex hate stuff. Between then, uh, write to me alexcast at gmail dot com or you can tweet at me at the alexcast, and that would be that would be good. I'm on I'm on. Uh, Instagram as AlexCast. Or no, no, I'm on Instagram. Sorry, I take that back. Instagram is at Alex Bolin. Because uh, you may have noticed I didn't do a, like an episode of AlexCast for a bunch of months. So I was like, oh, maybe I should like not have this name everywhere. Because, you know, I thought it was done. But I'm not done yet. I need to get the 300 episodes. So uh, thanks for listening. I've been Alex, you have been the audience, and please get in touch with me if you're listening, because boy, do I miss interaction with the audience. All right, cool. Kisses. Bye. Namaste.